Thank you for your many, many blessings to us. Thank you that you are the creator. And not only are you the creator, but you are the sustainer. That you are a God who is not removed, but you are intimately involved with your creation and with your world, and you sustain it moment by moment by your goodness, by your grace, and by your mercy. And so, Father, now help us to appreciate more of who you are through the many things that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In a few, after a few moments, we're going to have a time where we, as a church, just encourage one another with the blessings that God has given to us. And I want to take um, some time right now to focus on uh, what these blessings actually mean and to guide our thoughts as we encourage one another as a congregation. I'm going to read three brief passages of Scripture, three verses of Scripture, that I think begin to characterize and that I want us to use to frame our time of sharing today. One of them was James 1.17. James writes, Every good and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. For God himself, he is the one who makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. As Christians, we pause this time of year, particularly as our nation set aside the Thanksgiving holiday, we pause to praise God, to recognize that He is the source of all good things in our lives, and to recognize that God gives these things to us, especially through His gift of Jesus Christ. And the wonder of God's goodness is that He's not only good to us, that, he's, that yes, He is especially good to His children, but God is good to all. And his mercy covers and extends to all that he has made. Matthew, this verse in Matthew here said, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he makes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. But here's the wonder of it. Do the evil, do those who are unjust, do they recognize and acknowledge the source of where this goodness comes from? No, of course not. And it's not only the evil and the unjust, the Scripture would say, but also ourselves. How often do we pause and, and recognize the, the many blessings and the source from which these blessings come from? And the challenge is not only do we not recognize where they come from, but so often we earnestly believe that we think that the many good things that we have in our lives, we have simply because we deserve them. As I was reflecting it on this week, Paul Tripp sent out a reflection on a similar thought. And Paul Tripp stated this, he says, I am deeply persuaded that our decision to complain or to give thanks is rooted in the way that we view ourselves. 
Our decision to complain or to give thanks is rooted in the way that we view ourselves. Here's what he says. Follow the logic. If I assume that I'm a good person, then I'll conclude that I'm a deserving person. And if I live with a sense of entitlement, I'll then develop an inflated sense of need. And because I have an inflated sense of need, I'll expect the situations, locations, and relationships of everyday life to focus their energy on fulfilling what I have named as needs. And then inevitably, those people and places will fail to cater to or even recognize what I have named as needs. And since I didn't get what I thought I deserve, I now believe that I have the right to complain or grumble. He says, it's rooted in the way that we view ourselves. He continues with this thought, but what if, instead of assuming that I'm a good and I'm a deserving person, I view myself accurately through the lens of Scripture? What if I remember that this universe was not created to serve me? It goes on. The Bible tells us that everything in this universe was designed by and for the glory of God. That means this world, with all its created pleasures, was not meant to celebrate us. Should they be enjoyed? Yes, like the meal that many of us shared this past week. But he says this, but the created glories of this world are designed to be a finger pointing towards and reminding us of the creator. On top of that, the gospel presents me with the humbling truth that I'm not a morally right person. In fact, the only thing that I deserve in this life is God's wrath. If I remember that God in an act of outrageous grace, turned his face of mercy and kindness towards me. And that every good thing in my life is an undeserved blessing. Feelings of humility and thankfulness will fill my heart and not entitlement and disappointment or grumbling. And all of this comes to us through Jesus Christ. But reflect on this a little bit further. God is the giver. He is the creator of every good gift, of every perfect gift. Every good gift that you have in your life is from God, our Heavenly Father. And since he is the creator, since he made it all, and since he sustains it all, every gift that you have, every good thing that you have in your life, in some ways reflects who he is. In some way is a finger pointing to God himself, drawing us to him. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to state the exact same thing in several different ways. And I'm going to do this because earlier this year in one of my classes, I was been reading Augustine. And Augustine said something, which I'll share with you in a minute, that's really captivated my thoughts for this past year. And I've been chewing on it in many different ways. And I, I want to share that with you. One of the things that Augustine said as he said, there are some things in life which are to be enjoyed, and there are other things in life which are to be used. It's a simple concept, but it's incredibly profound. There are some things in life which are to be enjoyed, and some things in life which are to be used. And he goes on to say that to use that which should be enjoyed, or to enjoy that which should be used undermines the value of either one. Now, let's look at this from a couple different angles. For example, take a beautiful evening gown. 
A beautiful evening gown is something that should be enjoyed. It should be enjoyed for the person who wears it, that they can they enjoy, wear, they enjoy wearing it. They, they, they wear this gown and they look at themselves in the mirror and they say, wow, that, I, I look so beautiful in this. And then other people look at a lady who's wearing a beautiful evening gown and they look at her and say, wow, she's so radiant. She's so beautiful. This dress, this dress doesn't make her beautiful. This dress simply accentuates the beauty that she already has. This dress simply highlights her best features. And so the dress is to be enjoyed. Enjoyed in the beauty of it, but also in the beauty that it enhances. Now let's imagine that instead of having this beautiful dress, someone gives you this beautiful dress, and instead... You use it for something else. You look at this dress and you say, wow, this fabric is incredible. This is, this is beautiful. And you get out your scissors and you turn it into a whole bunch of dinner napkins. Right? You use the dress for not which it was intended. It was there to be enjoyed and you used it for something else. Well, what happens? The instant that you do it, it undermines the value of both. Right? The enjoyment is gone. And that what you, that's what you used it for isn't what the thing was to be intended for. All right, guys, I'll give you a different example. Let's pretend, let's imagine that you got a dry-aged prime porterhouse. All right? And in this dry-aged prime porterhouse that you have, you, have got, you went on a Black Friday sale up to Nick's of Clinton, and you, you picked out this beautiful cut of meat. And you took this cut of meat and you set it in the refrigerator and you were just imagining a couple days from now when you were going to grill this and you're going to have some, I don't know, some twice-baked potatoes with it. You're going to have a nice glass of red wine as you have this. And you are just thinking about the savory, meaty goodness of this porterhouse steak. What a day that is going to be to enjoy this beautiful piece of meat. And on the day that you come to home to enjoy it, you find that someone has taken this porterhouse and has ground it up to turn it into sloppy joes. And they said, well, you know what? We were, we were out of manwich, and we didn't have enough manwich for our family, so we just ran this piece of meat. We needed a piece of meat, and we just ran it through the grinder, and we're adding it to the manwich here in order to make sloppy joes. How would, what would you do? You'd be like... Are you serious? You're not supposed to use that for this purpose. That steak was to be enjoyed. It was to be enjoyed and savored and cherished. You see, to use that which is to be enjoyed undermines its value. And if these things were given to you as a gift, they would certainly offend the gift giver. And they would offend, and, and they undermine and destroy the value of the object in and of itself. Okay? So to use that which is to be enjoyed undermines the value of both. But it goes the same in the opposite direction. And this has huge, this has implications for the way that we live. And I'll get to those in a minute. On the flip side, to enjoy that which should be used diminishes and squelches the enjoyment. So imagine that you, uh, that someone, if you're a female, gives you a beautiful engagement ring. They ask you to marry them. This guy asks you to marry him, and, and they give you this beautiful engagement. He gives you this beautiful engagement ring. And you have this engagement ring, which is there to be used, because when you have this engagement ring, what is the ring about? 
It is, it is to be used as a sign of love, as a sign of investment, as a sign of the pledge of life together. And as the, as the guy, as a man gives this to his now fiancé, he gives her this ring because he wants to say to her how much he loves her, how much he cherishes her. And he just hopes that she's going to look at this ring and that, that, yes, it's a beautiful ring, but he hopes that she's going to look at this ring and she's going to think about their life together and how wonderful it will be for the two of them to be married. Now imagine that this girl gets this beautiful engagement ring and she posts on Facebook this picture. And she says, great news, everybody. I just got an engagement ring. Look at this ring. It's amazing. It is, it's over in a one-carat ring. It's a color H on the spectrum. It's a VS2 for clarity. In fact, it has an ideal radiant cut in the way that this, this, this stone was cut and surrounded by this band, of other, uh, this, this band of diamonds. Look at how beautiful this ring is. I love this ring so much. Well, her friends on Facebook start saying, okay, well, well who's the lucky guy? And she says, well, look at my ring. Look how awesome, my, look how awesome this ring is that I, that I have. You see, the ring is to be used for something else. It's to be used as a celebration of the relationship. Similarly, if a guy gets this ring and he gives it to a girl, and his only, perp- his only desire for her is to be a mannequin to show off the ring, it diminishes, it diminishes either one, right? Because the reason why the ring is special and why it is beautiful is in part be- it's in beautiful in part because of its inherent beauty, but it is especially beautiful because it points to the giver of the ring. It points to the relationship that the ring signifies. Similarly, um, if the man is consumed with the ring and the, and the fiancé is nothing more than this mannequin, to hold the ring, people were like, that's weird. Like, that's, that's a bizarre relationship. To enjoy that which is to be used squelches the enjoyment. Okay, why, is, why are we talking about this? Well, what Augustine said was this. He said, don't confuse the two. Don't confuse using that which should be enjoyed or enjoying that which should be used. And here is his statement. There is only one thing in this world which is to be enjoyed, and that is God himself. And everything else is to be used, not for enjoyment in and of itself, but for the enjoyment of God. That the wonder is not the blessings that you receive in your life, but the wonder is the giver of the blessings. Everything that God gives to you that you have in your life, he is giving to you to be used so that you would know him and that you would enjoy him more deeply and enjoy him more intimately. But you see, people flip it around. What people do is they want to have a relationship with God in order to use God to get things that they enjoy. And that sets people up for all kinds of failure. Instead, what Scripture says is the opposite, is that God... Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every good gift comes from God. Why? God gives these things so that you would use the blessings in your life so that you would enjoy God. Suddenly, if you really get this concept in your mind, it opens up a world of wonder. 
It opens up a world of wonder because everything in your life suddenly is now something for you to know God more intimately and more deeply. Everything given to you that you have, whether that's your family, your job, your relationships, a a, a great vacation, your home, a a really good cup of coffee, an awesome dessert, Every one of these things, God has given you that you would know him more intimately and that you would know him more deeply. That you would use those things, not in and of himself, but you would use those things to enjoy God. Third thought, similar idea, from a different angle. C.S. Lewis separately picked up on this reflection as well. And C.S. Lewis articulates it this way. He says, when we are lost in the woods... The sight of a signpost is a great matter. If you're lost and you've been lost for hours, and you're, you're with a group of people and you have been lost for days, when you find a signpost, it's a great matter. He who first sees it cries, look! And the whole party gathers around and stares at the signpost. But Lewis goes on to say this, but when we have found the road and we are passing signposts every few mi- miles... We shouldn't stop and stare at the signposts, right? They, they encourage us, and we shall be grateful to the authority that sent them up, but we shall not stop and stare, or not much. If every time the group gets to another signpost, they're like, look at this signpost. This is awesome. Look at, look at the letters. It's green. It's got the Appalachian Trail symbol mounted on this thing. And that consumes their thoughts and their attention. Any rational person would come to them and say, guys, this signpost is not about the sign, but the destination to which it points. And so Lewis goes on to say this, and he's saying signposts are to be used and not enjoyed. So he goes on to say this, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust them. It was not in them but the beauty only came through them. And what came through them was longing, for they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower that we have not yet found, the echo of a tune we have not yet heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Here's what Lewis is saying. All that you enjoy, you enjoy. Not because there is enjoyment in, is found in the thing itself, but you enjoy those things because through them, you're getting a glimpse of enjoyment in God himself. Here's how Lewis ties all these things together. He says this. He says, to be loved by God and not merely pitied, but to be delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a son. To be delighted in by God. It seems impossible. It seems a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. You see, through Christ Jesus, God loves you. God does not merely, you're not merely pitied. But God delights in you. As an artist delights in his work. 
So as a church, let us encourage one another. What signposts of love, of God's love and grace, have you experienced? What signposts of God's love and grace have you experienced God through the signpost? What has God given you or blessed you with to use so that you would enjoy him? What scent of flowers have you experienced that point to something greater? What echoes of a tune have there been that you have not yet fully heard? What enjoyment in your life has been a finger pointing you to God? What ways have you seen God love you or delight in you as an artist would delight in her work? We're going to open up the mics in a couple minutes, but let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you have created an amazing and beautiful world. Lord, you could have created a world of cinder, of, of concrete block, and stuck us all inside of that cube. And we could have been fed eating mold and algae. But you, as the creator and sustainer God, created an, amu- an amazing and beautiful world. You created us for relationships to love and to be loved. You created us with purpose and drive and jobs. You created us with creativity. And Lord, all of these things you have given to us so that we would know you more deeply and more intimately. So Lord, as a church, as we express our thanks to you, Lord, would you uh, encourage us with who you are and the wonderful ways that you show your goodness to us and demonstrate to us that every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.